Good morning, church. Good to have you today. Good to have those who are joining us online as well. We know you're out there. Come see us in person sometime. It's even better here in person. I want to start off with a little article from the New York Times. They ran an article entitled, Gift Giving Tips from Scientists, offering three insights gleaned from recent research on gift giving. I'm only going to share with you the first one, which is don't be a soulless utilitarian. Jane, you soulless utilitarian. What do they mean? Many economists fall into this category, even advocating we simply give one another cash for holidays and birthdays. That would be me. I'm an advocate for that. A variant on this is to give very practical gifts, such as household appliances at the high end or tube socks on the low end. The fundamental error here is not economic efficiency per se, but excessive usefulness. The best gifts are, in fact, useless. Not worthless, but rather valuable for the intrinsic satisfaction they bring as opposed to being a means to some other end. Marketing experts have long found that people get the most satisfaction from useless experiences that have emotional impact like going on a long, beautiful bike ride. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit never read this research. He gives gifts, and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives are utilitarian. They are all useful. Now, why are we talking about this? Love God, love people, serve others. And this month, we're focusing on serve others. Last week, we said, if you love God, you will serve others. If you love people, you will serve others. And that's the very best kind of service to give. As we continue in that vein, today I want us to see how we love people, or serve people rather, with our gifts. We serve people with gifts. And this has an impact on our sanctification. Now, you remember sanctification. It's theological jargon, but to be sanctified is basically the progressive process of becoming holy. It's the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit within us to help us to desire to be holy and to enable us to be holy. It's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. It continues for our entire lifetime. Maybe it continues in heaven, but sanctification and service is connected to that. So, all I'm going to do today, I want to say three very basic things about service, gifts, sanctification, and how they're all connected. First thing we want to say, you have a gift from the Holy Spirit. You have a gift from the Holy Spirit. I know you know this. A lot of you do already. It bears repeating and reinforcing. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, that's just one verse. We can multiply verses here. One's all we need. From this verse, we know we, you have a gift. And he says, you, he means you and me. We all have a gift from the Holy Spirit. We're obligated to use it. Or we are to use it in service to other people. So we serve, and there are four places in the New Testament where the, these gifts are listed. Now, they're not necessarily exhausted, exhaustive lists, they are listed in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, and Ephesians 4, 11. Did you get that? All right, Steve, you went too fast. If you want, you can request the manuscript. If you want any of these references, just check that on your Connect card when you drop that in the offering plate, and I will email you the references. But these are places where these gifts are listed. Now, a couple of clarifications. Number one, uh, the Holy Spirit is not the gift that we're talking about here. He is the giver of gifts. So 
there are places in the Bible that speak of the Holy Spirit himself, the person of the Holy Spirit, as a gift who is given to us. When you became a Christian, when you believed and repented and were baptized, you received the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Acts 2.38. Repent, let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. But this is something different. The Holy Spirit is the gift who keeps on giving. So we have him, but he also gives us gifts. Clarification number two. Some gifts of the Holy Spirit that you read about in the New Testament were temporary, and some are permanent. Now, those gifts that, are, that were temporary had to do with the revelation of the New Covenant Scriptures. So in that first century, they had a body of written Scripture. We call it the Old Testament. It's the covenant, the agreement between God and the Jews. But once Jesus died and resurrected, there was now a new covenant, and there needed to be a new body of Scriptures. We call it the New Testament, right? We're very fortunate. we're very fortunate to live when we do. If we have a question about God or God's will or God's direction for our life, we can simply open up this, a Bible, to the New Testament and read about God's instruction and God's will and the history of the church and most everything in principle is going to be covered there. You realize, of course, in the first century church, they didn't have that. They didn't have a New Testament. It was in the process of being written by the apostles and the prophets. So apostleship was a gift. This was somebody who was inspired of the Holy Spirit, who was writing the Scripture. Prophecy was the same way. And the way God authenticated his messengers who were giving the new revelation, these are the right ones, those may be the wrong ones, was through signs, wonders, and miracles. So many of these miraculous gifts were for that purpose, and they were limited to the apostles and prophets and those upon whom they laid their hands in that first generation. Those were the temporary gifts. But there were also permanent gifts that are still in existence today, and they fall basically as listed in those references into three categories, gifts of leadership, called leading, administrations, pastor, teachers, gifts of teaching God's Word, teaching, exhorting, evangelists, and then a third category, service gifts, helps, service, giving, showing mercy. Again, these are not exhaustive. God seems to give gifts as needed. There could be other kinds of gifts. Maybe computer science in our day is a gift that somebody can use to benefit the church. Uh, Gifts of singing. We just heard some musical instrumentalists up here today using their gifts to to benefit and to serve the church. Now, many of you probably know, you have a gift from God, and you may know what that is. A lot of you have been walking with the Lord for a long time. So you've had opportunity to serve and to bear fruit, and other people have affirmed these things in your lives. Maybe some others are wondering, well, what's my gift? I'm not even sure I got a gift. I don't feel like I have a gift from God. How do I know I've got a gift? Well, the way you know is the same way we know so many other things, through faith and what the Bible says. How do you know your sins are forgiven? Not not by experience, because the Bible says your sins are forgiven, and we believe and trust that. How do you know you have the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit? not, Not because of some experiential feeling, because the Bible says that you have the Holy Spirit, and you believe what the Bible says. Same way with gifts. The Bible says you have a gift, and so we believe that. But but how do you discover this gift? Now, I've got to tell you, as I read the literature and the commentators and the experts, there's no one definitive way, and the Bible doesn't actually spell it out. 
Some of you may have taken a spiritual gifts inventory, kind of a test, like a personality test, actually. If you ever had the Briggs-Myers test, and it says you have these characteristics, you might be good in these careers. For instance, a spiritual gifts inventory operates like that. But even, it's helpful, but it's not definitive. You know, as I read through the literature, the one thing that all the commentators seem to have in common, if you're exploring and trying to find out what your gift is, you jump in with both feet and you try different kinds of ministry so that you begin to see what connects, what feels like a fit, what brings you joy, what bears fruit, what kind of ministry do other people affirm. You know, you seem to have a gift in this area. I want to share a story with you. I'm going to put a picture up here of a man named James Harrison. He has been called the man with the golden arm. James Harrison, man with the golden arm. I'm going to tell you his story. I don't like to read to you, but I'm going to read a little bit to you today. Fifty years ago, doctors in Australia were struggling to figure out why thousands of births in the country were resulting in miscarriages, stillbirths, or brain defects for the babies. The babies, it turned out, were suffering from hemolytic disease of the newborn, or HDN. The condition most often arises when a woman with an RH negative blood type becomes pregnant with a baby who is RH positive blood, and the incompatibility causes the mother's body to reject the baby's red blood cells. Doctors realized, however, that it might be possible to prevent HDN by injecting the pregnant woman with a treatment made from donated plasma with a rare antibody. Researchers scoured blood banks to see whose blood might contain this antibody. They found one donor in New South Wales, James Harrison. Harrison didn't think twice when scientists reached out to him to ask if he would participate in what would become known as the Anti-D program. Before long, researchers had developed an injection called Anti-D using plasma from Harrison's donated blood. Harrison continued donating for more than 60 years, and his plasma has been used to make millions of Anti-D injections. Because about 17% of pregnant women in Australia require these injections, the blood service estimates Harrison has helped 2.4 million babies in the country. In a 2015 interview, Harrison remarked, probably my only talent is to be a blood donor. Harrison's own daughter, Tracy, needed an anti-D injection in 1992, and she said, thank you, Dad, for giving me the chance to have two healthy children, your grandchildren. Harrison has given 1,173 blood donations over his lifetime. He recently had to stop because of his age. But here's the kicker. Harrison had been donating blood for 10 years before they ever found this rare antibody in his blood. If he had not been giving, if he hadn't been in the blood bank, they would have never found this precious gift that he had to give the man with the golden arm. My point really is, I think what this illustrates, you are the man with the golden arm. You are the woman with the golden arm. You have a precious gift to give to the body of Christ. It may impact one person. It may impact 2.4 million people. God only knows, but every Christian has a gift from the Lord. We're obligated to use it, use it in service to others and we find it by jumping in and experimenting with different kinds of service. In fact, there are many believe, many scholars believe that as you serve, that's when God equips or gifts you for a particular service. Okay, so number one, 
We're saying three things here. Number one, you have a gift from the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit uses other people's gifts to sanctify you. Sanctification, progressive process of becoming holy. The Holy Spirit uses other people's gifts to sanctify you. A couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. 1 Peter 4, 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this is one of the reasons we need a church, church. It's one of the reasons we are in a church today, and you're here, so you're good. We want to come into an environment where other people can exercise their gifts upon us. I mean, we all, talk about the gift of pastor-teacher. We all need to be pastors. We all need to be taught. Talk about the gift of mercy or giving or helps or teaching, exhorting. We all need those gifts being exercised on us in our lives so that we can become more and more holy, more and more like Christ. This is how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Let me just give you one example. I was reading a book a while back, and in, the author in the book quoted from John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send the helper to you, and he will lead you into all truth, and he will be your teacher, and he will remind you of everything that I've ever said. And the author in the book goes on to make a very common misapplication of what Jesus said right there to all Christians. The author said, so the, whole, the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit to you is he is your teacher. I mean, he's an internal teacher. He's whispering in your ear. He's speaking to your heart. He is your primary teacher. If I understand what the Bible teaches, that is wrong. Those verses that was talking about, it was describing the Holy Spirit's ministry to the 12 apostles apostles, the apostles who wrote the New Testament, who were empowered by the Holy Spirit to miraculously remember the things that Jesus said and write down those things which the Holy Spirit wanted recorded. The Holy Spirit, yes, he directly taught the apostles. How do we get taught by the Holy Spirit? Indirectly through teachers, <laughs> through teachers in the church. That's why we need teachers in the church. You ever heard somebody, you say, well, that that person has a, is a gifted teacher. This happened just a couple, last weekend, uh, there's a, 15 of us, I think, that went to the men's retreat at Lake Aurora. So you've got a preacher, and you break out for workshops, and there was a professor there from Johnson Bible College, and I went to his workshop, several guys did. He was teaching on three of the parables of Jesus. I've read those parables backwards and forwards. I've read them 100, 200 times. I'm very familiar with the parables of Jesus. But this professor kind of took that jewel and turned it a little different facet in the light, taught something I'd never heard before or thought about before, made an application that impacted me, changed me. And I walked away, as I'm sure many people did, thinking, it's a gifted teacher. Thank you. I love learning something new. I'm sure you have sat under many gifted teachers who benefited you, and that's just one example of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we need in our lives. It's the aggregate of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a church working on each of us that produces sanctification in our lives. Paul says in Romans 1.12, when we get together, he says, I'm going to come to Rome. When we get together, I want to encourage you and your faith, but I also want to be encouraged in my faith. Mutual. 
Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I read this article on eldery, you know, an elder in the church by John Weatherly. Let me read you an excerpt. He writes, when asked to be an elder in his local church, I only knew one thing about the job for sure. I didn't know what I was doing. That might seem like an odd thing for me to say. After all, I had a Bible college degree, two seminary master's degree, a doctorate in New Testament studies. But I knew that eldering mostly involved things for which I had no special training. I knew that elders had to make personnel decisions like HR professionals. I knew they had to make facilities decisions like real estate developers. I knew that they needed to have communication decisions like marketers. I knew that they needed to act sensitively toward people in crisis like counselors and I was none of those things. And so at my first meeting, I began to learn a lesson that I've continued to learn since. God calls us to service together, not as individuals. Among our elders were the very kinds of people I mentioned above, people with knowledge and experience in the areas that I lack. Some had professional skills, some had life experience, and some had what I could only call God-given insight. Together, we still didn't know everything, but together we knew much more than we knew separately. And he goes on to write, this is true of the church at large. The power of God's Spirit is exercised through the church together, exercising the gifts each has received from the Lord. One, you have a gift from the Holy Spirit. Two, other people exercising their gifts here in the church sanctifies us. Now, third thing we're going to say this morning exercising your gift, as you exercise your gift, ministry and service. You are helping to sanctify others and yourself. Exercising your gift sanctifies the church and yourself. Ephesians 4.16, Paul writes, From him, from God, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, as we just said, when other people exercise their gift, you are sanctified. When you exercise your gift and ministry toward others, you're helping to sanctify them. All right, we said that. That's been said before. Nothing new there. Here's the little twist. As you serve, as you minister, as you exercise your gift on someone else's behalf, yes, it benefits them, but it also benefits you. That's another way in the exercise of your gift in which God sanctifies you. For example, you got David and Goliath in the Old Testament. So here's Goliath, a nine-foot professional soldier. Here's David, an average-sized man, shepherd. That's his background, maybe a little, little bit taller than average, but he's a shepherd. He feels equal to the challenge to meet Goliath in combat. Why? Because of his background. David said, when I was a shepherd watching over my father's sheep, the sheep were attacked by a lion. God empowered me to kill the lion. Sheep were attacked by a bear. God enabled me to kill the bear. So as David was exercising his gifts, serving his flock and his father who owned the sheep, you know, he was stretched. He grew in those encounters. As he's serving, he's growing so that when he comes to the point where he's meeting this greatest challenge of his life to that point, he's equal to it. Because of what he's done in the past, God used those past services and experiences to sanctify him. Same kind of thing happens to us. As we serve, we are stretched and we grow. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 compares the church to a body, and we're all members of the body. Let's say you're an arm. Use the arm once again. Let's say you're an arm. 
So this arm is in service to this body. I need this arm. It's going to feed me. It's going to bathe me. It's going to comb my, well, for some of you, your arm is going to comb your hair. You may rake, you may mop, you may sweep, you may cut, you may do many, many things. So the arm needs the body, but as the arm is serving the body, what's happening to the arm? The arm benefits as well, right? The bone grows denser, the muscle gets stronger, the blood circulates because it's being used. If the arm is ever broken and put it in a cast, once it comes out of the cast, the physical therapist wants you using that arm as soon as possible so that the arm can get strong again. The blood begins to circulate again. Likewise, as we serve in the church, God is sanctifying us through our own service. After all, sanctification is about becoming like Jesus, right? How are, we, how are we supposed to be like Jesus? How are you going to, are you going to walk on water? No, you are not. Are you going to heal a blind man? No. Are you going to heal a deaf man? No. Are you going to calm a storm? No. How are we supposed to be like Jesus? How about service? How about humble service? That may be one of the primary ways. Two things here. I'm going to go back to blood donation. When you donate blood, the literature says you save as many as three lives. So you're serving others. But you also help yourself in these ways. Blood donation preserves cardiovascular health by reducing your blood viscosity. Blood donation reduces risk of heart attacks and strokes. Blood donation reduces the risk of cancer. And blood donation burns calories, 650 calories per pint of donated blood. Blood, you have it. When you give it, you serve others, but when you give it, you are blessed yourself. Same way with our spiritual gifts. Uh, let me close with this. In 1951, a 14-year-old Australian awoke from a major chest operation. Teenage 14-year-old. Doctors had removed one of his lungs in a procedure that had taken several hours and would keep him hospitalized for three months, but he was alive thanks in large part to a vast quantity of transfused blood that he had received. His father told him that he had received 13 units of blood and that his life had been saved by unknown people. And at that time, Australia's laws required blood donors to be at least 18 years old. It would be four years before the teenager was eligible to give, but he vowed then that he too would become a blood donor when he was old enough. And after turning 18, he made good on his word, donating whole blood regularly with the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. You know what his name was? Some of you will have guessed. That's James Harrison, the man with the golden arm. Because loving strangers had saved his life, he served others, and in the process, he discovered his gift. In fact, Doctors theorized that it may be all of those blood transfusions that he received when he was 14 that produced that rare antibody in his blood and gave him the gift that he had that saved millions. All I'm saying is other people's service to him produced in him a desire to serve other people. And it goes around, comes around. And in that process of serving, he discovered his amazing gift to bless other people. Same thing happens in this church this morning. You never know what God is going to do with your gift and your ministry and your service, but he's going to do something. Our Father in heaven, we simply want to remember this morning. We want to be reminded this morning 
Now, as we are made new, we're new creatures in Christ. You have good work for each of us to do. And you have not left us without the provision to do that. You have equipped each and every one of us with one or more gifts from your Holy Spirit. We commit ourselves to serving others today. In Jesus' name, amen.